Hey, quick note before this episode kicks off. If you're a regular listener to TOEFOP, TOEFOP with friends, Two Guys, One Cup, or Philosophy, then we're asking for your help. We want to keep the show free, and that means occasionally throwing some ads in. This is so we can pay our bills for important things like, you know, questionable art by James Fosdyke. Yeah, but we don't want to support businesses that you don't care about anyway. That'd be annoying for you, it's bad for us, and it's useless for the advertiser. So what we're asking is to get a bit of info from you that'll help inform the sort of brands we work with. Yeah, the survey is quick, and everyone who does it goes in the draw to win 100 bucks. Well, a $100 gift voucher anyway. I mean, that's still more than we get for this podcast. Your input will help us work with the right brands and keep the show free. There's a link to this survey in the episode description. It closes soon. Thanks heaps. A listener production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Hey, Will, how good were our <laughs> Melbourne this, live on, shows? Is this you improvising? That's what I just said <laughs> yeah, to Charlie at the start of this plug, just improvise, and then you've gone into just performing the introduction as if you're reading from notes that we don't have. <laughs> This is me, off the cuff, speaking from the heart. We did our Melbourne TOEFOP lives and they went off. People loved them, packed houses. We've got Sydney coming up. They did go off. People did love them. They did have packed houses. But the way you're saying this is as if you're reading it off a piece of paper. I'm not, Just speak naturally about the fact that they were amazing shows. I can see that you're not, but the listeners can't hear that you're not. All right. I'm going to say this as sincerely and without any sales pitches I can. Our Melbourne shows were fantastic. We had a great time. We had special guests, a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. It was awesome being on stage with you again. And guess what? We get to do it all again in Sydney in two weeks' time at the Comedy Store. Yeah, okay. That was pretty good. That felt pretty good. Uh, They were amazing shows. It was so good to be back on stage doing them live with the audience there. And we'd love to see you there at the Sydney show Pack out the Comedy Store, our first show in Sydney since we are at, of course, the Sydney Opera House. So now we're at the Sydney Comedy Store. (laughs) Basically the same thing. Same thing. As a cultural icon in Sydney, it's going to be an amazing show. You might have guessed who our surprise guest is going to be. I won't name him, but it was Gareth. Oh, hang on. I just named him. You just named him. (laughs) (laughs) And he's going to be the surprise guest at the Sydney show as well, as, as well as a bunch of other surprises. Yeah. And don't let Melbourne beat you, Sydney. Don't let Melbourne have bragging rights that they packed out Tofu Live. Oh, this is good. Sell yep. out Sydney Two as shows, well. sold out, back yep. to back. Come on. You don't want to let Melbourne beat you, Sydney. This is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you November 25th at the Comedy Store for Tofu Live. Everyone relax, this is Dofop, I'm Charlie Corson. I'm Will Anderson, hello and thank you for watching. What a wonderful pleasure it was, Charlie. People yeah. will be hearing this a little out of order because, well, not necessarily out of order, but like we're a couple of weeks ahead. Uh, on the weekend, we... Two weeks ahead in our recording, six months behind on our letter responding. <laughs> and about 10 years behind on most of our topical references. <laughs> you want to hear more about Michael Flatley? We got you. Uh, we did our first live shows in six years. Uh, yesterday yeah uh and what an absolute joy and pleasure the basement comedy club 
in Melbourne, Carl Chandler's room there. He was meant to be on a flight to Bangkok, unfortunately, was cancelled. So he was in a great mood. Oh, my <laughs> really, God. Really wrapped to be there to help us out uh, rather than being on his holiday that he was meant to be on. But what a joyful audience for both of the shows. So what great. a great pleasure to have Gareth Reynolds and John Deeks on stage with us for those shows. And what a great pleasure, Charlie, to say the words written for me by AI. <laughs> Hello and thank you for watching and actually have them make sense yeah. and people cheer. People yeah. cheered when I said hello and thank you for watching because they knew that for the very first time they were watching and I was watching them in return. Have you ever had a catchphrase before like signing well, – how did you sign off Glass House? No. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> yep. Famously, waka yeah. waka waka. Yeah. Uh, every year, every week, it would be a different um, Australian okay. sporting ground. So, gabba gabba gabba, <laughs> waka waka waka, makuk makuk makuk, metricon metricon metricon. Because you've got a catchphrase now. It was that audience, yeah. though. It's funny. Like I was. I know you don't really get nervous before things, but I was a little nervous, and it was funny because in my head, I was like, "Well, I know both shows are sold out." Who's coming to boo? You know what I mean? Like, what, what? am I nervous about? Like, you're probably Didn't not going to get a- to me that anybody was coming to boo. <laughs> Why would somebody me. come to boo? I don't know. It's like that nightmare that Lisa Simpson has when she plays with, you know, all the second fiddles in the band, like Oats and stuff. Um, I'd None of the people are coming to boo, but I did sort of like wonder. It's been so long. Has this shtick gotten tired like have people moved on like well does it even work in a live format like it, it, i had a lot of questions about it uh well I, here's what i was uh, i can tell you now mm. that i knew you'd be a little bit nervous i do not get nervous in general about things but i particularly don't get nervous about something like stone cold will anderson that's what you Stoned are. Stoned cold, Will Anderson, probably. Is <laughs> was more accurate. <laughs> so, two of those things were absolutely accurate. Stoned cold, William Anderson. Foz, I've got your artwork real easy. A bald wheel with an earring and a leather vest. We're done. <laughs> we're releasing this episode this week. I'm making an executive decision. I know we've got other episodes we've recorded. I don't care. Mike, this comes out on Wednesday. Foz, get on it. Will Anderson as Stone Cold Steve Austin, leather vest, earring, done. Uh, I was looking forward to it. I knew that, well, I had faith that, you know, I obviously knew that you'd put together like a couple of little games, which were just magnificent. <laughs> Thank um, you. But I knew also that part of the fun would be me doubting your capacity to put <laughs> together a show or like, uh, you know, fun role to bring to the table. You'd done the work and I knew at worst, at best your work would pay off and it would be good just in of itself. Worst case scenario was it was terrible, and I got to spend half of the time with Gareth just kind of embarrassing and bullying you. And I think I've just described show one and show two. But <laughs> <laughs> I think your your worst case is actually the best case scenario because I sort of had to word up. I didn't want to really – because I know Gareth is such an amazing improviser. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to give him too much of a clue because no. I think it will be great just to see – and it was great to see him put it together on stage. But Deeksy, I, was, I, I sort of like gave him a bit more uh, of a heads up of what was going on. But I said to him, look, there is – if the thing falls apart, you're a professional, don't try and save it. I know no. you're – 
40 years of showbiz experience yeah. will your instincts so will kick in yeah, yeah he'll be like and save oh, it. oh hang and on like, i've just got to he won't even know that he's trying to save it his body will just go into muscle memory yeah when he starts doing like he there. starts doing a vaudeville routine he brings yeah. out like the, <laughs> like the boater hat and a, and a cane yeah. um but i just sort of said to him like you know when things start spinning off then then you just get in on, on for the ride and he did it with a plum i thought oh i think even more so than that he Often when things were going bad, he made it worse. Yeah. And I mean oh, in yeah. a fun way, you know, like jumped in with an inappropriate comment or a complete non sequitur that threw everything off. But that's the great joy of, I think, you know, what this show is at its best is like it is a wrestle with and against an idea all at once happening on stage. And like then it's like how do we turn that into a show and a narrative and a story, you know, as the the show goes on and – I just couldn't have had more fun. Like it was so – I don't can't remember the last time that I was on stage just – because like I love doing my improvised shows, but there's an element of doing those shows where I have to constantly be concentrating about what's going on. Whereas in those podcasts, you know, and the way that you would set it up so that like I would be doing something and then Gareth would be doing something as part of the game meant that I just had some opportunities to really just be sitting there enjoying other people work like you, you know it's almost like it felt there, there was this moment where i went to see leonard uh leonard cohen and it was one of the things i love the most where he has a bit where he like introduces you know all the band and like you know they all play their little solos but there's one guy in particular who's this like guitarist that he tours with everywhere and is like you know one of the greatest guitarists of all the time and when he's doing his thing like uh Leonard Cohen just goes over and he bows down on one knee and just like takes his hat off and takes it off to him as he's doing his thing. And sometimes it felt like that on stage. So you were just like watching somebody else do a magnificent solo and you're like, oh, it's good to be in this band, you know? You know what I liked the most and what yeah. came out of it is like I've always sort of felt with the live shows, I've always loved doing them, but I'm like, are they really tofop? Because, you know, we bring in a lot of guests right. and just by its nature of being on stage, live audience, it's more performative. But I felt like there was a stage in that second show where it was just this, like you and I were talking and I'd actually forgot for a second that there was an audience there because we were so involved in the conversation we were having, but people were like laughing at the right spots and I was like, oh, so this can work. Like people do want to see Tofop live, like literally this live. I think that was the best thing about it. And the thing that I loved the most about it was it felt for the very first time that we did TOEFOP live shows. Like, and they had the essence of those big shows that we had done, but they were really sort of TOEFOP. We we did the- TOEFOP the spectacular. D well, we did the DCU where we kind of went to the- like the big guns uh, the all in the first. one movie yeah. first rather yeah. than building You've up to like that. You've got to like all these people. Yeah. You've got to like all these people at once. You've got to be into this because this is what it is. We're not going to yeah. give you a backstory you, or introduce If you it. haven't listened to every episode of Fofop <laughs> and yeah. every Dofop and every Jofop and if you don't know who this person is and how they relate to this person, you're not going to enjoy this as much. Whereas <laughs> it had some of that flavor still, like, yeah. you know, of you trying to put on something for the show. But – like I, I mean, and you probably because of the nerves have underestimated because I think it started like that from the start of the first show. In fact, what I loved about the start of the first show was that we really genuinely got up there and just started 
rambling and scratching around with no – like it was like first time back in six years and no big start. Like a real <laughs> just like – A couple gentle, of observations about what we saw on the way to the just gig. Just a gentle warm-up. It was. It was. It was two old blokes in a park doing Tai Chi. It was yeah. very gentle. and But people were already there for that. Yeah. And I really do think that if we wanted to do – like, you know, an hour of the just the two of us having a conversation, then the audiences that were there in Melbourne would have been there for that, which was – it was really amazing. And I think, you know, obviously inspired me and I, I think you as well to want to do more of it in the future and, like, get out there and have that opportunity to do it in different places. So now I can tell you this. On Tuesday at work – uh, on Wednesday morning, I got a uh, notification that I had had a COVID close contact. Uh, and so on uh, w- Thursday and Friday, I cancelled uh, Wednesday. Well, Wednesday I was doing press from home anyway. And then Thursday and Friday, I cancelled anything that I had to go out in public for. Uh, and I stayed home and I tested myself every day. And there was a moment in there where we were put, putting together – like, what if I can't do question everything next week? Who are we going to get to guest host? And we did like that. We went and looked at whoever was going to be the guest host people and got their availabilities. But what you, of course, know is that I had another commitment that was before question everything next week, which was our first live show in six years. And I tossed up whether it was the right thing to do to tell you that there was a slight possibility that I wouldn't be able to make it to the shows and let you worry about that or that I should just roll the dice on the fact that like even though I'd had a close contact that it had just been for a minute and chances are that, you know, I'm fully vaccinated and very careful and everything was going to be fine. And as it turns out, that was the case. Was it the right decision to not tell you about that? I had a similar-ish week in that um, the flu has ripped through our house. Like Gemma has been sick as a dog for two weeks. She actually got – went to hospital on Wednesday because oh. she was so dehydrated from the flu. Because apparently you can get dehydrated from coughing because she was coughing so much. Oh, yeah. So she was put on a drip. Iona was really sick. And I was walking around the house with a mask on because I'm like, it was, you know, the, a week out from the show, I'm like, I cannot get sick. A, like, I don't want to give it to anyone, but I also like, it would just be terrible to be like on stage. Because if I had what Gemma had, I'd be coughing like, you know, twice, uh, twice, uh, twice a minute. Um, and then the night before the show, I managed to get through the week not getting sick. I was taking all kinds of boosters and stuff. Um, due to fly out of the Gold Coast at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, the show was happening at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. At midnight, Gemma and I are settling in to go to sleep and her phone buzzes, and it's her producer from London because we've just put this uh, pitch in for a job, and everything had gone to hell and like we just needed to jump on a call at 2 a.m and blah 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 blah. and so i'm up like writing notes to the meeting gems you know preparing what she has to do then you know she jumps on the call and i'm iona wakes up and i'm trying to settle her and then gets like 4 a.m 5 i think i got to like 5 a.m when everything had kind of settled and crisis averted and everything was okay but i hadn't slept then i got an hour sleep <laughs> and then i got in my car and i drove to the gold coast and i kept thinking oh, this is not a great prep for the first live show in six years because I feel like absolute shit. But I'm like, oh, well, as long as I you know, can have a couple hours sleep on the plane. But of course, I ran into someone I know who's sitting very close to me on the plane and they wanted to chat. And so I sort of said at one point, look, I'm just going to 
have a little nap, but then by then too much thought I'd been awake for too long and I just, I'm not a great napper. And then I was like, well, okay, maybe it's just the environment of where I am. If I get to Melbourne, I'm getting there three, four hours before the show. I'll just get to my hotel, mm. check in early. I'll just have a little kip on the, on the bed. So I, I called the hotel when I landed, totally fine to check in early. I jumped in a taxi, got all the way to Melbourne. And Melbourne, there's a lot going on in Melbourne right now. Like there was, there was fucking protests. Uh, there was fucking like roaming gangs of like, I guess, hens parties or something. There was people going to the races and all. Do- there was so much happening. For Will, I'm a, I'm just a simple country b- boy now. <laughs> like I'm not used to these big city events. And I wasn't paying attention because I told the cab driver um, that my hotel was on exhibition, but he must have thought I said Elizabeth because he, he said, oh, we're here. And without looking up for my phone, I said, okay, cool, paid him, got out, and then realized I'm <laughs> completely wrong end of town and then had to fucking jump on a tram and only could go as far as Swanson Street because the protest was happening down Collins Street. So I had to get out and then fucking – so by the time I got to my hotel, there was like half an hour – I was like, I'll have half an hour now. Then fucking uh-huh. Carl texts me to say, hey, send us your door list. So I send him like, you know, the comps that weird people requested. And it's like, no, not your fucking comps, like your door list. The, who is coming to the show? I need to know who to let in. I'm like, oh, fuck. How do I find that? Like, I don't know. I've never done this before. So I have to go to the website we use to book the tickets. And, uh, oh, no, that's right. I didn't have my laptop with me because I'm like, I won't need my laptop. <laughs> so I'm calling Gemma back home to say can you jump on my laptop can you log into this booking website can you export the guest list and so by the time i got all that shit done it was time to go do the tech run and so that's when you saw me i'd walk in like i am very tired but fuck man like i think um, maybe that that was that was an alter a naturally altered state <laughs> Which kind of put me in a good mood for life. Well, shows. do you think then we have to replicate that for each of the like, yeah, right. I mean, do we have to do that for the Sydney show? Do we have to set you as Mate, like, are tired. you at your best after a <clears throat> in the cricket? Glenn Maxwell, the big show at the ICC World Cup, had a very Glenn Maxwell week in that he was uh, riding around on the back of a golf cart and fell off and got himself a concussion and had to miss a game. Uh, and then in the next game he played, played the greatest one day innings of all time, made 200 just on one leg. It was just incredible. Saved us. But there's a theory now that, like, before He's the final, get- that we've really got to concuss him again. We've got to get him back on the golf cart. We've got to replicate, you know, the week that he had because obviously that's when he's at his best. Like, is it the same with you? I think so because I think the fatigue definitely played into, like, you were talking before about just at some points being an observer on stage, and I definitely had that. I mean, the way I'd start the game was kind of really to allow you and Gareth to do your thing. But at one point I was like, I don't really need to say anything for the rest of the show now because these guys are going. All I need to do is just throw a few more breadcrumbs down and the pigeons or the comedy pigeons will come out and peck away and I don't really need to do anything. And I didn't feel compelled to sort of like get my line in or whatever. It's like, this is quite fun. I'm just going to sit here and watch these two guys, you know, just riff. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun game. The time flew. That's how I mm, knew. Yes, I thought it was too short. Yeah. In retrospect, in fact, I actually had a couple of people – reach out on the socials to say they enjoyed it, but they wished it went for longer. And I can't remember how we used to do the other shows, but there, there was a reason. That was more based around the venue. The, you know, it was a they had more shows on. You know, we would love to have gone longer, but there was, you know, uh, Cam James went in after us and then there were the, the actual proper comedy night. But I think this is all just 
we wanted to start off kind of um, dipping our toe back in the water, dipping our toe, something manageable, dipping our toe fop. <laughs> we dipping our toe. That's fob what we should have called the back tour. into life. Dipping our toe fop. <laughs> How would James turn that into something disgusting? Like someone's dipping their toe into someone's ass. That's <laughs> what it would be. Just and you're not allowed in. to draw that fuss. You've got to do stone cold. Stone cold. Will Anderson. Um, yeah, I I think it's I think it was a good. It was just a, it gave me a, a good idea of if we would do more of this, like how we can structure the show. And what I most liked about it was, oh, people want to see Tofop, you know, and that's kind of easy because we know how to do that. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, I think in in a general sense, it being a longer show than an hour is probably what we would like to aim for. But I love the idea that we could do – I mean, for us it was two hours. You know, we obviously did two shows basically in a row. So um, that felt almost like the right the, amount. The right but you, 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 I think maybe an hour and a half would be your perfect yeah. length for a live podcast. What I would like next time, and it's more, you know, to do with staging, is, mm. a, is a couch. Can you sit on a couch? Like if we gave you enough room, can you like – I mean, I can't get up. Right. So that's right. We just have to ask the audience to leave. On stay on stage. <laughs> like Taylor Swift style when she's hiding in a box. You what? know, for, like, I haven't seen what, that. Oh, uh, because Taylor Swift, like, you know, when she starts her show or whatever, she, like, you know, is on the stage or whatever it is. So it means that she, she doesn't, like, walk out onto the stage. Mm. They wheel her out in a box. Right. And then she's, like, hidden a out there box. in a box. So, like, I mean, I don't think it's a gift box. I think it's, like, just, like, hidden in a box. Like oh, right. I so don't it's, not, think meant, it's like, not meant to be noticeable. Yeah, that's right. Like they, right. Come they hide her pre gig so that she can like surprise. Here I am. Why don't they just do like a trapdoor, like a Michael Jackson trapdoor? And I'm not talking about the creepy one he had at Neville. <laughs> I mean, that's probably why <laughs> <laughs> trapdoors have got themselves a bad name. <laughs> Old mate from the Today Show, you know, like people be able to lock things from under their desk or yeah. open secret rooms. It just seems like a very uh-huh. low-tech solution when she's the biggest pop star in the world. And, you know, like fucking Tommy Lee flies onto stage and stuff like that. Surely they could come up with a bit more of a – just a riser. Like does we watched a video of Phil Collins coming up onto stage on a riser, remember? Yeah, but to get under the stage, Phil's got to like, you know – You've got to get to under the stage to oh, come so out Oh, so she's on in the, the box even backstage. Constantly in the box. She's got an NFL game. I've got in it. The Swift box. in a box. <laughs> Swift in a box, girl. Um, no, I don't know what the exact details are. I'm going to I'm gonna Google it. You, you talk for a second and I'll see if I can find some information okay. about it. I haven't been following like I – I mean, I don't know anything about Taylor Swift. I'll be honest with you. I know who she is. But um, – there is so much coverage about her with this guy, this this footballer, and like it has to be any guy who dates. I know the cliche is, "Oh, she's going to write a song about you," but it's got to be in the back of your mind, right? Like that Taylor Swift. Are you going to be? Are you going to be the guy that makes a difference? The guy that that sticks with Taylor and that you know doesn't write a song about you. Well, I mean, that's the ultimate incentive, isn't it? To be I the guy be that where there's different. no no song or or do you get a song out of Taylor and then move on to Adele for a whole album? Oh, yeah. Imagine if there is a guy who, like, <laughs> like who's been mentioned in more than one pop star song, like Warren oh, Beatty, yes. You're So Vain. Has he been mentioned in anyone else's, like, song? I mean, Surely, 
There's got to be. On. Yeah, who Let's would think be the about, most? What are the fame, most famous pop stars? So the, there's um, the guy from Family, not Family Matters, um, Full House. Oh, Alanis, Alanis Morissette, which I don't think is actually true, da- but that yes, but that is the oh, so story no, it is about him. What's his name? Dave? No, Goulier. apparently it's not Goulier. about him. Like that's that anyway. Is, hang on. I, I'm What's the song sure called? That, you ought to know. Uh, you ought to know. Yeah, Dave Coulier. Is that his name? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Dave Coulier. True? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Dave Coulier has opened up about the moment he realised he was the subject of her song You Ought to Know. Oh, okay. That, from 2022. All right. I thought that Do we want to hear what, how, yeah, uh, what he thought about it? Yeah, of course I do. It? Yes. Okay. So Dave Coulier, this is from NME. NM, <laughs> look, the, the show was last night. We're still very tired. Dave Coulier, Coulier, Coulier has opened up about the moment he realised he was the subject of Alanis Morissette's song You Ought to Know, which remains one of the singer's best hits. Morissette dated the Full House star between 92 and 94, breaking up around the time that Morissette was writing her first studio album, A Jagged Little Pill. You Ought to Know was released. Oh, this sounds like it's written by AI. Um, Coulier first acknowledged the similarities between the song's content and his relationship with, with Morissette in 1997, but has shifted, shifted his perspective on whether or not it's actually about him several times over the years. Okay, all right, so he doesn't really know. Now in a new interview with Sirius XM, uh, the actor once again acknowledged that he may be the subject of the song. Just discussing the first time he heard it, he said, I'm driving in Detroit and I've got my radio on. I hear the hook for You Ought to Know come on the radio. I'm like, wow, this is a really cool hook. <laughs> and then I start hearing the voice. I'm like, wow, this girl can sing. <laughs> and then I was listening to the lyrics going, oh, no. Oh, I can't be this guy. Julio <laughs> explained that he subsequently bought a copy of the CD himself and upon listening to the album in its entirety, he came across a lot of familiar stuff in there that her and I had talked about. He referenced the track Right Through You, saying that one lyric in particular, "You shake, your shake is like a fish, was a nod to the way he and Morissette would do this dead fish handshake. I started listening to it and I thought, ooh, I think I may have really hurt this woman. <laughs> He and Morissette would later reconnect, however, and according to the actor, she couldn't have been sweeter. I'll tell you the kind of person she is, he said. When my sister Sharon was dying with cancer, Alanis was living in Toronto and she was in Detroit. Alanis drove to Detroit with a guitar and sat with my sister playing songs. <laughs> now, look, it's a sweet moment. Do you, do you think she played You Ought to Know? When she, like, by the way, <laughs> this song is about me angrily fucking a guy after I break up with your brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a song about uh, when I went down on your brother in the theatre. Remember that? It's in the song. It's the most famous line. Um, how did we get into that? Okay, Taylor Swift in a box. Oh. <laughs> I honestly could not find any reference to it because there's another story about Taylor Swift in a suitcase that every time you try to Google anything comes up instead. So I'm going to run you through Taylor Swift in a suitcase. So Taylor Swift, uh, this is a BuzzFeed investigation from uh, 2017, a deeper investigation into whether Taylor Swift was hiding in a giant suitcase or not. (laughs) (laughs) So this is theory. That, so her bodyguards were outside her house <laughs> and they did this on several occasions and they 
there's there is a giant suitcase, like the sort of suitcase that you would carry around, like props or yeah. like stage clothes or something like that. Yeah. And it's been carried by two big bodyguards inside and outside her apartment. And it's happened on a few different occasions. And the theory is that Taylor Swift is inside that suitcase. And is that's how she gets in and out of her apartment without being photographed by the paparazzi. I mean, I guess she could be, but I imagine being a musician and a musician who's known for like costume changes and stuff, it could also just be instruments and or wardrobe. <laughs> like, yeah, like. Uh, so you're saying the most likely scenario isn't that this billionaire pop star is folding herself up into a suitcase. <laughs> like that Chinese guy from Ocean Eleven. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> Oh, imagine if that, that's who Taylor Swift was having an affair with at one point. And so every time he wanted to see her, he would get into a suitcase and they would carry him into her apartment. And that's what's been busted. A mate of mine is a, a radio DJ, said that he interviewed Ariana Grande. Oh, yeah. Or Ariana Flat White, as we call her in Australia. <laughs> and um, her bodyguard would carry her places. She's very petite, apparently, quite small, but like um, carried her from the car park outside the radio station up the stairs into the studio and then at the end of the interview picked her up and carried her out again. I mean, that feels... Creepy and weird. Unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> like, unless... I mean, I'd, I would feel that she's not eating enough. Like, if she can't expel that sort of energy just to walk around and she has to be... I would I prefer think if he put. I no. Like I, it's a. I'm a, such a big celebrity that I am carried from one yeah, place to another. Like that's Claire what I Patra think it is. Like, like you know, that. it's like remember we did that episode the way in the mm. back in the back in the early days of Tofu Pram Sport because I had this idea that I want to mm. create a fleet of public transport where it's just giant prams and you you know if you've had too much. So you, do you think maybe you could get Ariana Grande involved in your pram oh, sport? Oh my god! Like, like like a celebrity like an Uber spokesperson. Yeah, for sure. Like when the Kardashians blow up some new brand, you know, some new designer makes their fortune on the back of the fact that the Kardashians or Selena Gomez have, like, if you could get Ariana Grande Onto in pram one sport. of your prams, like if her bodyguard was just like pushing her around in a pram, I think that's, that's how, how you, how you do get it. it going, right? You hire the bodyguard yeah. first. Like you, yeah. he has to say, Ariana, I have to quit. Oh, yeah. Why? Uh, this new company, mm. it's a transport company called Pram Sport where they um, put you in a giant pram and they'll wheel you home from the pub and they carry you and tuck you in at night, um, they're offering me crazy money. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. So tell me more about this business. And then that's how we that's how we connect. We get him on as one of our nannies. Um, mm -hmm. He's got to dress in Victorian era nanny garb. <laughs> I forgot that detail. I can't remember that detail. He might that might be the problem, I think. <laughs> that he has to dress like Mary Poppins. <laughs> Gotta complete it properly. Um yeah, I think she would she would be great for it. Because I think too because she's yes. like a multi I mean, isn't she like a billionaire or something as well? Oh, yeah, speaking she's to people who can famous. afford this kind of service. We're not this is not for mm. When I say it's a luxury, it's service. Not, I, I said public transport. That's completely incorrect. Mm. Private luxury transport service is what it yeah. is. Exclusive luxury transport. I've got to be honest with you. I probably at the time I wasn't enthusiastic about your idea, but as I've got older, 
and realize that quite often the hardest thing about and this is the market we will be going with you know for this I'd imagine is Ariana Grande would be the youngest person we want to get involved in this like what we really want to do is pitch it to the boomers who've had a night at the theater or something like that they want to go out to a bar because I think the hardest thing about going to doing something is that bit between Having the fun mm. and then going, oh, I still have to get home. Yeah. That's really annoying. Whereas if you like, if you were looking forward to being pushed home and tucked into bed, but is it a boomer? Is they the target mm. demographic, or is it more that kind of like trust fund baby? Someone who's oh, been kept you mean in like a, a nepo nepo, nepo baby, baby sort of constant in a state yeah. of constant nannying. You know, like they have mm-hmm. been fed it upon their whole existence. Because oh yeah, that's okay. what I think. You're I'm right. reading into the Ariana, why her mm. bodyguard has to carry her is because she's- Well, maybe we've got to pitch it to the helicopter parents, yeah. like the boomer parents. Mani- parents who are also managers. Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> because you know they've <laughs> totally fucked up their kids. <laughs> you know that. You know that they never gave the affection that the kid needed, and so the kid is seeking it through public performance or whatever they're doing. So it's like, we're not yeah, saying you have I mean, to be essentially- to your offspring. You've essentially kept them being a baby for the public's consumption and therefore the idea that when they're done with their tasks for the day that they are then put into a pram and wheeled home or even just wheeled from the movie set back to the trailer in their pram. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't always have to be that you're going home and being tucked into bed. It's any situation where you've done some sort of work and need to be transported to somewhere else. The idea behind pram sport is it's a – it's a leisurely, comforted way to get around. You're not going to get there the fastest because you're just being pushed in a pram, but it's a giant adult-sized pram being pushed by a very strong uh, man or woman, but it has to be mm. in Victorian-era Mary Poppins nanny gar. Any, like, would you consider electronics in the same way as, like, you know, all the e-bikes and e-scooters already, and these sort of things You already now. want to re- automate my industry, get fucking replace <laughs> the humans. Is that what you're saying? We haven't even started it and you want to go straight to automation. You just hate workers. <laughs> Willa Anderson never stood for workers. <laughs> no, I just am thinking in a practical level, yeah. you are limiting yourself in the distance that someone might book a pre- – like, for me – I actually think it would be like, I mean, I get the idea if it's for five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever somebody might push somebody around for that is reasonable. But I'm saying like, what if you're 20 minutes away or 30 minutes away? You'd still might want to like, high, you know, be able speed? to be pushed home in it. Are you saying there's like- Well, not like- Why, why don't we have both? Mm. So there's Pram Sport Classic, which yeah. is you're going to get pushed by a muscular person in a nanny garb and tucked mm. into bed or whatever. But then we've got like- um, executive pram sport executive, where it's like if you need to if you if you need to travel from like the northern beaches of Sydney down to the airport or something like that, it's a electric powered electric pram and it go and it travels at a maximum of like seventy kilometers an hour. <laughs> well, yeah, as long as you're just driving around the city, you're not going to get around on the freeway or anything like that. I think you can have a cap on it, but yeah, say you've got an early flight. It's 30 minutes from your house to the airport. You might just think, you know what, like like you were doing for the shows, yeah. if Pram Sport had been oh around as a business, me. you'd be like, I haven't slept. I haven't slept last night. I've got to get to the airport. It's going to take half an hour to get to the airport. You know what? I'm just going to book myself a Pram Sport, <laughs> have a little snoozy <laughs> a little nap on the way. <laughs> on the They're going to play some of my favourite music, just like, you know, lullaby versions <laughs> and give me a little bottle to drink. 
And then before you know it, I've had a little snoozy snooze and I'm ready to go. I can do so up live. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely down for that. I'm so glad that um, Pram Sports uh, has been revived because last year there was some kind of meme where it was like, imagine if adults had prams. And it was like a guy, like a giant guy pushing a, a big pram around. And the amount of sort of Tofop listeners who got in touch with us, and now a year later, <laughs> I'm responding to all those messages we got. Seems like the perfect Tofop time frame. Absolutely. Hey, um, I want to get to our mailbag because yes. I'm committed to being more efficient with this. Um, uh, hang on, what's going on here? I've logged into the wrong email account. This is... Two guys, one cup. We're still getting mail from – hey, footy season's over, two guys, one cup. Listeners, stop. we're not going to respond. <laughs> stop emailing us your football <laughs> Unless Charlie mistakenly logs into the wrong email account. <laughs> oh, my God, all these people. Uh, okay, so this is uh, from Nick. Uh, he's- oh, I will say this, though, for two guys, one cup fans, uh, we have got some two guys, one cup news that will be coming up very soon. In fact, we have some – Great news about the entire network-wide news. Yes, exactly. Uh, all good stuff. Nothing to be worried about. Uh, everyone relax. But uh, I, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be cool. And it is uh, coming up. We will tell you all about it in detail when it actually happens. But uh, particularly uh, for fans of two guys, one cup, who've you know dropped off because they didn't feel like they could download a free app. <laughs> Might be some good news. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it is good news across the board. Uh, as Will says, more details to be re- revealed soon. But basically, we're just going to give you everything you want, make it easier. Um, uh, we're just working on what that looks like and, and how it sounds. But uh, uh, good times ahead. This is from Nick. Uh, hey, lads. Love your work. I was recommended two guys, one urn during the Ashes series last year. And it was so fantastic. It led me to reading Adam Zwar's brilliant book, 12 Summers. And now I'm a regular TOEFOP listener. Unfortunately, I'm not a medical professional. so I mean, wouldn't it be great, Charlie, yeah. if someone came to the podcast feed for Two Guys, One Urn and then they stuck around for the other That'd shows and sampled them and became <laughs> fans of them? That seems like an amazing That's idea. That's a great idea. In episode 487, The Hermit, listener Matt recommended a sci-fi book called Robopocalypse to you. Well, I've got another one for you, but since I've not heard the episode Matt was referring to, I've got no idea if you've talked about it. It's called Rule 34 by Charles no. Stross. Have you heard of this book, Will? No, I don't know. I read it a while ago, but I remember it was quite funny, enjoyed it a lot. Anyway, uh, I should get back to work, have fun. All right, book recommendation. What's Rule 30? Can you just Google it? What's Rule 34? Well, the first thing that comes up when you Google Rule 34 is if it exists, there is porn of it. What? Oh, what? <laughs> uh, it has a Wikipedia page. Okay. Uh, Rule 34 is an internet meme which claims that internet pornography exists concerning every possible topic. Uh, is, so, okay. But, is there a podcast So in basically – uh, the phrase Rule 34 was coined from an August 13, 2003 webcomic captioned Rule 34, there is porn of it, no exceptions. Um, uh, the comic was drawn by Tango Starry to depict his shock at seeing Calvin and Hobbes parody porn. Oh, right. I get you. Uh, and so, yeah, it became So any a public meme. IP has been pornified. Yes, basically, if you can think of it, there's porn of it. I guess, yeah, I guess that would be true. I mean, I guess that's the internet in general, though. If you can think of it, it probably exists in some form. 
on the internet, right? Like I was the other day um, for this thing that we're pitching on, I was like Googling the most specific camera move, you know, something like a crash zoom into a one continuous shot from a crash zoom into a macro lens of like hair follicles moving in the breeze. And you know what? I fucking found it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like it took a little bit of searching, but it's like, I can see how AI is working. Like you just run enough fucking goes at it. You, you find what you're looking for eventually. Um, yes. Well, that's all AI is doing. Yeah. AI is just doing that faster and more efficiently than we can do it. Yeah. Which is, fine in terms of like data harvesting it, it, it doesn't have any creativity to it like i've been seeing some things being sent to me like emails and stuff which i am because i'm reading a lot of ai stuff now that i'm like that's computer generated like that is it, it reads slightly better than a form letter but only slightly better and the and ai is very hoity-toity and like it can't just say um you know if you said Hey, uh, I, I chat GPT, um, uh, write about the podcast, uh, the comedy podcast, Tofop with Will Anderson, and Charlie Clawson. It'll be like, prepare to slap your thighs into smithereen as wacky <laughs> wonder man, Will Anderson and chuckly Charlie Clawson. Then it's like, oh, fucking chill out, AI. <laughs> like you're trying way too hard. If you want to infiltrate, you've just got to fucking just chill, just chill a little bit. Um, okay. This is from uh, one of our Tofop. 12. Uh, Rebecca, we haven't heard from her in a while. She says, good day, my favorite podcast humans. Rebecca here, one of the winners of the most macho status with updates. Uh, this is a rather long story, but there are two shorter ones at the end, so you can just skip to them if you like. No, no, happy to do the whole thing. Okay. So the Grand Canyon is, 45 kilometer, is a 45-kilometer hike in a day that was unexpectedly epic and not in a way we'd planned. I'm still in shock. Everything is not okay, but I'm fine. But my friend will not be okay for a while. See, he was leading. It's his first time ever in all of our epic tri trips together and it will be the last time as well. <laughs> On one third of the hike, um, he slipped and fell, writhing in agony and pain and went instantly into shock. He said nothing felt broken, more like he'd torn ligaments stemming from his ankle up to his knee. Um, he thought he'd be able to walk, however, just slowly and with rests. So we decided after baiting quite a while to self-rescue. I gave him my hitching pole, which he wouldn't have made it out of without the hiking pole, and two emergency pain pills that helped dull the excruciating pain, and we started the slow stop-rest hike of hiking out. I couldn't afford to be too much in shock for us both. He had my hiking pole, and because I knew I couldn't get hurt for us both, I crawled on parts there was, where there was even a hint of falling, whereas I just hiked it up with no problems a couple of hours before. It took a lot out of both of us, him with battling the pain and me assessing the situation and keeping tabs on him and trying to bring calm and letting him know that it'll all be okay in the end and that I was by his side. Can I just say, we fucking selected our, like, TOEFOP 12, yeah. our most macho listeners very well. Like, this is halfway through this the story and stuff. I'm, like, gobsmacked. I mean, I'm glad that she laughed a little bit at the start of this story because I am compelled. Yeah. And I, at this point, don't know if everybody makes it out <laughs> yeah, alive. I'm, I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to end. After six hours, we managed mm. to get to the top and another half an hour to get to our hotel where he broke down sobbing, shaking, uncontrollable and feverish. And he said he felt like vomiting. He called his daughter, who was an ER doctor in Germany, 
She said he should go to hospital as soon as possible. I I iced his ankle and elevated it, bought aspirin and ibuprofen, wrapped it tightly with a compression bandage. I mean, I know how to do two of those things. (laughs) I think maybe I could hand the pills over. I've done that plenty of that in my life. I mean, I would have handed him one and taken one myself. (laughs) Just just make sure. Go Harvey's. (laughs) Problem was that we had two cars, so he had to drive one back. I brought into his car after giving him a double shot of Nespresso. Hey, shout out to George Clooney. <laughs> and let him drive the four hours to Phoenix, calling him every once in a while just to make sure he was okay. When he got home, the swelling and pain were less because of the wrapping, so I decided to wait until the next – so he decided to wait till the next day to, before going to hospital. It had been extremely painful and had swollen a lot during the night without compression bandages on it, but he was going to wait until urgent care opened uh, and I stressed that he should go straight to the ER hospital where they said he had a broken fibula. Ah, broken leg. No wait on it for six weeks. He needs to see the orthopedic surgeon ASAP for further assessment. They said there are also tiny bones around the bro- uh, the fibula that are broken. <laughs> I felt a different kind of tired than the physically tired I would have felt on the 28-mile mi- hike. We had both been training this for at least two months. Every time I talk to him, he thanks me for saving his life and he texts me the same thing again and again. His daughters have both texted me giving me thanks for saving their father's life. It was intense. Fuck yeah. That's like horrible. The canyon will always be there and now we have to taste the ruggedness of this trail. There were no tracks and it was overgrown and there was lots of trail fight. Lots of trail finding. Oh, as in, I've got to find the track. In the well-trotted, crowded Grand Canyon. So that's exciting to know. I'm still in shock, as is he. We both say nothing feels real. And besides his tail, I got struck by a rattlesnake in the calf while trail running and continued on for another eight kilometers before realizing that maybe I wasn't thinking correctly and I turned around. Yeah, the one thing I know about snake bites is you are not meant to increase your heart rate when you have poison courses. Get that blood flowing <laughs> yeah. around the body. That's what you need to do, pump it through your heart. Uh, and this was reminiscent of Charlie and his magpies. <laughs> yeah. well, no, I, am, I am also a hero. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember uh, I was at the Olympics in Sydney and we were doing our radio show, Adam Spencer and I, and uh, – uh, we had one of the, I think it was the water polo, one of the uh, girls on who'd like scored like for Australia at the last moment in this really spectacular way. And Spence told a story like about, you know, like a like a women's soccer game that he'd been coaching or something. And there was that real feeling from the water polo person of, yeah, I don't feel like these are the same things. <laughs> I feel like being struck by a rattlesnake and Charlie being pecked on the head by a magpie are not quite the same thing. Well, no, I think what she meant by that is she goes on to say she was running through Arizona one day. All of a sudden, claws grabbed the back of my neck. I thought it was a mountain lion or something like that. I turned around and was hitting at whatever it was on top of my head for six hits before it finally flew off and it landed in the bush next to me staring at me. It was a big Harris hawk and it continued staring at me. So I grabbed rocks and backed away. Um, for me, and I didn't move. Oh, well so done. So, what's a Harris? What's a Harris? Called hawk. a Harris hawk? Yeah, I don't know. A Rolf Harris hawk? You don't want to go near those. Don't want to go. Near- oh my god! What? <laughs> what do they look like? They're, they're fucking, they look pretty deadly. I have a look. Harris. Uh, hawk. Yeah. Well, very oh, yeah. hawkish. Sharp beak. <laughs> fucking hell, <laughs> Rebecca, you've got enough like Tofot Twelve stories to have your own. 
category. Uh, I mean, maybe she should be the captain. Like a spin-off. Yeah, I think at the moment she's the Captain America or the oh, he's the leader of the Avengers. Is it the Captain America is the leader, but Tony Stark's like the, yeah, the founder. Yeah, but this is real. This is more Captain America yeah. stuff than it is Tony Stark. Yeah, Tony Stark stuff. fucked this everything up anyway. Captain America had yeah, anything. yeah, and this isn't fooling around with like next level technology and AI. This is just you know ground and pound. <laughs> <laughs> ground and pound. Uh, this is from Stuart. Hey, Charlie. Oh, so do you remember we were talking about Barry and I was saying to you there was a, a plot line where uh-huh. you had these two podcaster hitmen and I couldn't understand, yes. understand what that reference was. Um, my interpretation of the assassin podcaster scene in Barry is that they had a tech podcast reviewing dodgy gadgets and their assassination attempt goes wrong because one of their gadgets fails, which – is true. That's a little detail that I, I forgot to mention, so that makes sense. I might be wrong, but it makes more sense if that was their setup. Yes, absolutely, Stuart. Thank you for – I actually haven't watched any more episodes of Barry because it's so goddamn depressing this season. I'm finding it. I want to be a completionist, but I just find it, like, hard going. There's too much misery in the world right now. I don't want to, like, tune into a fictional show to find out the world is – the fictional world is also an awful place. I mean – I actually understand what you mean by that. I've been watching a lot of very up vibe things recently, and I think that that a lot of that has to do with, yeah, I, like I've tried Barry, as you know, yeah, I've tried Barry a few times. times, and I just cannot get going. And I think part of it is, yeah, the world's just hard enough at the moment. I don't need to see how much harder it is. I actually watched just watched this whole series on Netflix uh, about wrestling about. Um, like an independent wrestling league in the States called OVW. And uh, it's great, but it makes you realize just like, you know how I've always said to you, like who gets into wrestling? Like what are who is going to decide that this is a career I want? It's so niche. The physical toll is so extreme. The chances of making money from it are are really, really tiny, but I'm just going to dedicate myself to this. And then when you watch this show, you're like, oh, that's the kind of personality. And it's, it's the carny folk mentality. It's people who are just like, a lot of them enjoy pain, like they they have some kind of like uh, response to pain where they either find it enjoyable or it's the adrenaline of, of like, you know, getting hurt is really high. But then the other side of it is that they just don't fit in anywhere else. And in that sense, it's kind of beautiful. It's like, oh, like if you were someone who had this kind of like this impulse to be violent, but you don't actually want to hurt people, but you want to create this theater of violence, you know, choreographed violence, then it's kind of great that this thing exists and allows you to have a community. And, you know, actually I know being at high altitude makes you more emotional, but I just watched the last episode flying back today where they do their big show. <laughs> and it's all these, it's all just such fucking like, you know, misfits and, you know, yeah. one guy's from India and he's come out here cause he wants to be the next Arnie and another, another girl is like an ex con and that they're, they're just like the biggest underdogs. And then, even though they're only performing in front of 400 people and stuff and they're getting thrown onto thumbtacks and hit with with fucking metal chairs, I started getting emotional because I'm like, they're getting what they want. Like this, and that's what they kind of say is like, look, success to some people is about money. And, but for me, success is I found something that I love doing and I just want to do it for as long as I can. I'm like, oh yeah, I dig it, wrestler. I'm into it. Yeah, I get, I get that. I have a podcast. It's called Tofop. <laughs> uh, this is from someone who calls themselves Doctor. Doctor? Yeah. So Doctor who? Like as in the no, doctor? just Doctor. I mean, there is a surname and I don't know if it, I should say it in case there are a real doctor. Okay. But it looks like a made-up name. <laughs> 
All right. Okay. Anyway, let's just call him Doctor. Very strange, short email. Charlie, quit complaining and smoke some DMT. Ask your friend Will to get you some. Smoke it. Then come back and continue the show. Then we can all move on. <laughs> what is that referring to? Hmm. Can you get me some DMT? No, yeah, I didn't think I mean, so. I mean, I guess I probably. I mean, I could, could probably get I, myself some DMT as easily as you could get me some DMT. I think that anyone I know who could get DMT lives closer to you yeah. than they do to me. <laughs> <laughs> what was I complaining about? I mean, I know I complained I don't know. a bit, but for fun, yeah, get smoke some DMT, then come back and continue the show. Then we can all move on. So cryptic. What? What's? What am I holding the audience back from? I mean, what are you holding the audience I feel like I've been quite open and enlightened in some of my self-discoveries. I'm not sure that I need to smoke DMT to – I'm not against it, but I just don't think I need to. I mean, I am against it for the purpose of the podcast. Like that isn't the reason, the intention you should take into an experience with DMT is just like I got an anonymous complaint (laughs) about my podcast and I decided to smoke some DMT to work it out. I just feel like Joe Rogan has made it uncool. Like I'd probably be more curious if he wasn't so into it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm like, oh, if, if the discoveries he made on DMT means I end up like him, I don't think I want to do it. Yes, I, I, I know what you mean. Like, there's it's kind of like well, when um, like- you brought this up when Carl Sandlands went to Burning Man. You're like, Burning Man's done. Yeah, Burning Man's done. <laughs> Never gotten up. No man or audio tents can lure me into that <laughs> desert now. Carl Sandlands might be there. <laughs> Our last one. This is from uh, Lucas. Fiji water. Hey, Will and Charlie. Greetings from America, our second American listener today. I am currently listening to episode 491. I've got to say, I love the podcast. I listen weekly since hearing Will and the Dollop a few times. And now I listen to all your podcasts eagerly. Well, got some good news. <laughs> it's going to be easier to listen to all of our podcasts very soon. <laughs> Details to follow. And I look forward to new ones dropping. I also love the taste of Fiji water, but had to stop drinking it as well. Will hit the nail on the head uh, by saying it's not great to import pristine water from so far away. I know the lowly amount of money I withhold from them doesn't make any difference to these dickheads. I didn't mean that in the endearing Aussie sense, but I sleep better at night. Robert Evans did a wonderful episode on the Resnicks on Behind the Bastards. I eagerly await some East Coast shows, but completely understand why you'd want to come, why you wouldn't want to come to our shit country full of fascists right now. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone's got some shitheads everywhere. It's not not just you. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Uh, Maybe that'll change. Maybe not. Anyway, look forward to getting more great pods from you guys uh, to help me laugh and keep these dark days of growing authoritarianism. 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 Authoritarianism by my misguided government. Sincerely, Lucas. Ah, thanks for that, Lucas. Are you going to – would you go back to Fiji? Water? Uh, I – You know too much. Well, okay. I'm going to be completely honest with you, which is that – I think I told you that I my water bottle broke, the one that I uh, kept in the fridge, and because I've moved house recently, I don't have a fridge. So for the first couple of days, um, well, I have a fridge now in the little apartment I'm in, but like you know, obviously I cleaned out everything that was in the fridge and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, for the first two days I was here, had to buy bottled water before I could like get a routine going with my. Turns out that my car came with a water bottle that's been sitting in the back of my car since I bought it like five years ago. So that's really? the one that I've been using. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
I know. I was like moving some stuff around, obviously. And I looked in the back of the car and I was like, what's that? It's a water bottle. Oh, that's exactly what I need. <laughs> <It's gasly. laughs> and you know what the great thing is, Charlie? It fits really well in the cup holder that comes with the car because it's almost as if it's designed specifically for the <laughs> cup holder. Really wish I'd thought this through about five years ago. However, uh, in the two days in between, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to fucking treat myself and I'm going to go back and I'm going to – all that talking about how delicious Fiji water was, Ooh. it made me crave Fiji water and I just wanted to – I knew that it was only going to be twice. Yeah that I wasn't going to get back into the habit. I was just going to – I just like, you know what? I had to buy water anyway. Just for two days, let me go back to that old love. And here's the thing, Charlie. Sometimes you can't go back. Sometimes the fact that you know things about the company or the family or the, you know, global situation, you can't enjoy the taste of it as much. Like and that- So even though I'm sure it tastes exactly the same as it used to, I did not find it as delicious as I used to. Um, all right, that is a toe fop for this week. Um, I'm going to put pressure on Mike and Foz to release this this week because I reckon the fact that we talked about the Melbourne shows is a good advertisement for our Sydney shows that are happening Sydney. in two weeks. Well, a week and a half from the time this episode comes out. Still November tickets 25th, available. Comedy store. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's a great fun. Um, Gareth is going to be coming back, cats out of the bag. He's going to be in Sydney. He's going to be on stage. Maybe another special guest as well. We're just still working on that. But it's going to be a hoot and a holler. What have you got to promote, Will? Uh, Question Everything is currently on ABC TV and uh, you can check it out on ABC iView. It would be great if you enjoyed the show to watch it again on iView or at least click on iView and let it run through so the iView numbers go up. That would be very good. And uh, I have a national tour about to start. I have some improv shows, comedy.com. .au for all the details of those. Uh, and, of course, the best way to support the show is to go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash TOEFOP. Full videos of TOEFOP episodes. We've got ad-free episodes of everything on the TOEFOP network, lots of other great bonus material, and archives that now go back years. So if you want to do a deep dive, uh, Patreon is the best place to go, and you can sign up for as little as a dollar a day. If you want to give us more, you can. If you sign up for $20 a month, you get an autographed poster from Will and I sent straight to you. Plus... Some uh, we keep them laughing so they keep you living fridge magnets, which I still haven't got rid of. I can't believe we still have some to give away. <laughs> uh, but that is Tofop for this week. I'm Charlie Clawson. Love Anderson. Yeah.